The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 310. This isn't just a book about how to say thank you. It really is about how to be a better leader overall, integrating some of these soft skills that sometimes we miss, especially in tough times like like right now. Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast, where every episode begins and ends with a thorough washing of our hands. Seriously, though, you can't do that enough. I've always been an avid hand washer, and I'm feeling right at home about now with with uh, this whole coronavirus uh, chaos, uh, if you want to call it that, in in the midst of our of our world. But the good news is, while we may be spending more time at home than what we're accustomed to, we're never going to run out of books to read. And I'm excited to bring you a new one each and every week. My name is Jeff, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. My job, in part at least, is to help you narrow that reading list and bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Today, we get to meet Adrian Gostick. He's co-author, along with Chester Elton, of the new book, Leading with Gratitude, Eight Leadership Practices for Extraordinary Business Results. I'll be asking Adrian to share why there's a chasm between knowing that gratitude works and the failure of so many leaders to actually practice it or do it well. Ways consistently practicing gratitude can help leaders or anyone advance their career. Some of the critical and most essential gratitude, best practices, and much, much more. You know, speaking of the coronavirus, something I caught on Twitter the other day to me is one of my favorite responses to the outbreak that I've seen. It comes from Jamie Torkowski, and Jamie says, conversations will not be canceled. Relationships will not be canceled. Love will not be canceled. Songs will not be canceled. Reading will not be canceled. Self-care will not be canceled. Hope will not be canceled. May we lean into the good stuff that remains. I love that from, again, Jamie Torkowski on Twitter. I'll add to that, podcasts will not be canceled, at least this one. Well, Adrian Gostick helps clients around the world with employee engagement and leadership issues. His consulting clients include Bank of America, Rolls-Royce, Cisco, and California Pizza Kitchen, among others. He is a global expert on organizational culture and the author of the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestsellers, The Carrot Principle, All In, and The Best Team Wins. His books have been translated into 30 languages and have sold more than a million and a half copies worldwide. He is often quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Fast Company, and the New York Times. And you may have seen him on NBC's Today Show or CNN. He is also founding partner of The Culture Works, a global consultancy focused on helping organizations building high-performance 
work cultures. Hearing all that, you now know that I'm a little late to the party and bringing Adrian on to the show. His visit here is is long overdue. His latest book, again, is co-written with Chester Elton. It's called Leading with Gratitude, Eight Leadership Practices for Extraordinary Business Results. Adrian, thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you. Well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate being here. Well, when I first learned uh, of this book, my initial thought, my initial impression, uh, Adrian, was, is there enough for me to learn about gratitude to fill a book? And it it turns out there is. There is a lot to learn. My eyes were opened. Uh, Why is it gratitude, in your view, is is, is such an important skill for leaders, especially in the 21st century? Yeah, and it's a great question because, yeah, you'd think, oh, what's that, a magazine article nowadays? We all know it's important, right? You're supposed to be grateful to your people. What leader doesn't know that? And yet, when we began this process, what we found is that, we've, you know, we've been preaching this for 20 years. We we work with, with you know, as executive coaches, we go in and we give lectures to, to organizations, and yet remains one of the lowest scoring items on just about every employee engagement survey is, I feel recognized for my work. Mm. So we all know we should be doing it, but we either don't do it or we, we basically suck at it. So why? <laughs> so that was the basis of what we began this, was to understand the psychology of what's holding us back from being grateful. And then, as you mentioned, yeah, the book entails a lot more. What we found was that this isn't just a book about how to say thank you. It's a book about how to spot value that's being created in your team, how to solicit ideas from people and get them get them really sharing and being an, a part of a, of a functioning team, giving them a voice in the organization. It really is about how to be a better leader overall and integrating some of these soft skills that sometimes we miss, especially in tough times like, like right now. Well, to that question, why that you just mentioned, uh, let's, let's hone in on that a little bit. Why is there a chasm between... Uh, knowing the gratitude works and, and this failure of so many, as you said, to actually put it into practice or, or to do it well. What, what's at the crux of that issue? You know, that's the, the $64,000 question. <laughs> right? it's, a, it's like, why don't we do this? We all know that it sh- we should be doing this or doing this better. One of our survey points, now we've surveyed more than a million people with research partners, working adults. One of the things we found is that if I'm a manager, if I manage human beings, that I have probably about 67% chance or 67% of people who do manage Mm. think they are above average in expressing (laughs) gratitude to their people who work for them. Of (laughs) course. When we asked employees, do you think your manager is above average in expressing gratitude? I'll ask you, Jeff, what what percent do you think agreed with that? I would say probably about a third, if if that. That's that's a good guess. Yeah. (laughs) 23% is what we found Mm. said, my manager is actually above average in expressing gratitude. So 67% of us as leaders think we're really good at this. Only 23% of our employees agree. So, So you've got this huge perception gap. And, and the, you know, as you asked, why does this gap exist? There, we found a lot of reasons as we, we went through the psychology of this. You know, the, one of the big reasons is, you know, I just don't have time for this. There are more important things. Mm. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep customers happy. I'm trying to keep my bosses happy. I'm working. I'm, I'm supposed to be, as a leader, looking for issues, not patting people on the back. They're grownups. <laughs> I pay them every two weeks. So there's a lot that comes around this. One is that, you know, a lot of times – managers lead with fear. Now, nobody actually thinks they lead with fear, Mm. but a lot of leaders do because, you know, one, that they're maybe insecure themselves, maybe they're a new manager, and they, you know, they're afraid to give credit to others. You know, perhaps they think pressure is the way that I get results. And you know how long, you know, last in a, you know, stress-filled environment, typically we're looking for a way out of that. 
So we found a lot of these sort of psychological, in some cases, they're, they're subconscious myths that hold us back from being as grateful as we should be. Mm. You know, in my research, Adrian, 100 percent of managers think they're really good drivers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, are, what are some of the ways you've seen the consistent practice of gratitude help leaders or, or really anybody uh, advance uh, their career? One of the things we did with Leading with Gratitude is we interviewed a lot of CEOs. So uh, Marshall Goldsmith, I don't know if you know Marshall, mm. he wrote the great book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And he was our partner on this book. He wrote the forward, but he was also going to uh, be our co-author. And then at the last minute, he had to pull out because of a contractual obligation with a new book he's working on. And so so he felt so guilty that he connected us with every uh, CEO he's ever <laughs> coached. And it was great. So we have all these amazing CEOs like Alan Mulally, who uh, ran Ford Motor Company. We spent hours with Alan understanding his leadership style and saved Ford. Ken Chenault of uh, American Express, who just recently retired as the CEO. Hubert Jolie, who's now the executive chairman of Best Buy, but who saved Best Buy when Circuit City went under. Mm. You know, some really amazing leaders. And what we asked them, just was the question you asked me, is how do you in- incorporate this into your leadership style? And in just about every case, most leaders had to learn this. They weren't born naturally gracious. They weren't born naturally grateful. They had to learn that, you know, people need this. They need to take the time to be appreciative to the, and, and they, they found ways to spot value when it was being created. Remember Ken Chenault of American Express telling us, he said, you know, one of the things we do is, he says, I look for small wins. He says, a lot of us as leaders, we get, we get hung up on, I'm going to recognize when we achieve the big result. He says, that's the wrong way of thinking about it. He says, a journey, you look for signposts along the way. Oh, I reached the red barn they told me about. Great. I'll tell, oh, there's the, you know, he says, we look for signposts as employees, and our signposts as leaders are letting people know you made it to this first step. That's awesome. Keep moving. And he really changed our thinking on this is that, you know, we tend to withhold our gratitude until something huge is accomplished. He said, I would be out looking every single day for things that were going right. And he says, I would come back to my office and I would send notes. I would write handwritten notes. I would send emails mm-hmm. and I would express appreciation right away for the great things that were happening. And he says, I know that meant a lot to my people because it meant a lot to me when I was coming up. Well, in part one of the book, Adrian and Chester spend time talking about the myths of gratitude, the seven myths. Um, Among the seven, Adrian, uh, you hinted at some of these a moment ago. What would you say are the ones that you you tend to see the most or hear about the most from, from managers? Probably the most frequent is there's just no time. I don't have time to be doing this. I got more important things that are going on than to be patting my people on the back. What we found as we studied the, now again, with a million people in our database, we have Mm. great ways of cutting data to find out who are the most productive, engaging managers. And typically these people are the best at ideas like gratitude. And what we found is actually they were only spending about an hour a week on on recognizing, being grateful to their people in a very you know thoughtful way. Mm. In a typical 50-hour week for a manager, it's what, 2% of their time? And yet they had higher customer satisfaction scores, higher employee engagement, lower employee turnover, just those simple little mm. things. You know, and so so that was one of the things I think we we you know we saw the most was there's no time. Probably the most surprising though was, and this is something we probably wouldn't have heard five or ten years ago, 
is that people want way too much praise these days, especially <laughs> those darn millennials and the Gen Z coming in. They're so needy. And what's interesting is we probably have interviewed more millennials and Gen Z than, than I don't know any other researchers who have. And what we find is these new generations aren't really praise hungry. They're feedback hungry. Mm. You know, they've been coached very closely throughout their high school, college careers. They want to know what if they're doing what they're doing is correct. Um, and as one told me recently, he says, I don't want hollow praise. He says, I want to know if I'm doing the things that I should be doing. If I'm not, tell me. And I, he says, I don't mind being corrected, but don't just let me float along. And he says, that's sort of the workplace that he found when he when he entered was, we'll let you know if something goes wrong. Otherwise, just keep doing what you're doing. He says, I can't manage like that. Our generation, we really valued autonomy. You know, Dan Pink, mm -hmm. of course, his book Drive, he said autonomy was the number one driver mm -hmm. of human behavior for motivation. We've actually found it's not for millennials and Gen Z. Mm -hmm. It actually ranks very, very low. Uh, one young woman we interviewed said autonomy. She says, that's terrifying. Why would I want to work alone? Right. And so we have to change the thinking and realize that well, people are very different. And especially there's some generational issues coming that people do want more praise, but it has to be very targeted into helping them know if what they're doing is right. You know, I found compelling uh, one story you share in this uh, part of the book of the super successful salesperson who relayed to her manager. She had since jumped ship to another company, but had relayed to her previous manager that some occasional feedback would be nice. And he, in his next opportunity, kind of poked fun at that and and was, you know, say, hey, you're doing a really good job of making those turns as you, you know, or, you know, you did a real good job on that memo or whatever it was. And it just it really rubbed her the wrong way. Yeah, that was it was really interesting. Yeah, we were in a pharma company and and they had just lured this amazing salesperson. She was she was a delight. Uh, she in in you know she did improv comedy on the side, so she just had this delightful sense of humor. And and in pharmaceutical sales, which she was, you know, it's hard to get into a doctor's office. And uh, not to be uh, too uh, general here, but you know, some pharmaceutical salespeople they look like supermodels. You know, they're beautiful people who mm. go in there and they. Get it. But she wasn't. She was just a regular person who who found a way to talk her way past uh, medical you know reception office uh, receptionist, and she was really good at this, really good at her job. And as you mentioned, yeah, when she told her boss, you know, her boss must have you know listened to a podcast like ours here, and and uh, mm -hmm. and, and thought, okay, well, I've got to be a little bit softer. I've got to. And so he went and asked her, hey, what could I do to create a better work environment for you? And what she had said was, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be recognized a little more. She says, I'm making good money, but it would be nice to know if the work I'm doing is valued by you. And he just mocked her. He said, She said continuously after that, just thought it was hilarious that she needed this patting on the back. He mm. thought it was a weakness in her. Mm. He said, so we'd be on the sales call and he'd, he'd go, hey, nice job turning down the radio. And <laughs> thought it was hilarious. She says, that's when I started polishing my resume because wow. this guy would never get it. That I was just looking for validation if what I was doing was right. She said, you know, this was a very confident woman. She wasn't insecure. She didn't need, but she needed to know if the work she was doing was adding value to the organization through her manager. That was the role he needed to play. Mm. Well, Adrian, what would you say to somebody who says, you know, okay, so how do I just come into work one day and all of a sudden I'm going to be the person handing out little gratitude uh, notes and attaboys without it all looking, you know, weird and 
odd and all that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question too. Is you know, oh, they're going to think I'm bogus. You know, mm. all of a sudden I've been uh, you know been the tough guy, or you know, most of the cases you're not tough. You're just distracted. You're you're in meetings. You're working with customers. You're just distracted. The good news is I've never met anybody in my personal life or professional life who wasn't appreciative when all of a sudden, you know, they would say something to me like, you know what, my boss finally said I do a good job on my reports. You know, that just meant a lot. Now, you know, he's probably this, uh, they're maybe a little cynical at first, Mm. but they certainly appreciated the boss actually noticed the value they were creating. So if you think about, you know, we switch on the TV at night and I think Gordon Ramsay's on every other, you know, show on Fox. (laughs) And he's built this empire on transformation. We love to sit down and watch a transformation. The restaurant that gets fixed, the bosses who who realize they've been, you know, knuckleheads. We love to watch a transformation. Why wouldn't we want to see that in our manager to be a little bit more human, a little bit more empathetic, a little bit more observant about the value that's being created? So, so yeah, it's, you know, it may be a little stilted at first. It may be a little rough. We're going to make mistakes. We're humans. We will make mistakes on this stuff. But is it better to do nothing? No, it never mm-hmm. is. So that's what I encourage managers is you've got to try this. You've got to find a few little uh, cues that will remind you to do this every single day. Well, beyond what you may have already uh, suggested or mentioned, what are some of the critical or maybe most essential gratitude uh, best practices, would you say? One of the one of the things that we talk about in the book too is is how you tailor this to the individual. Mm. We we built with some psychologists a, a motivators assessment about well, six years ago now, and we've we've had about eighty thousand people uh, complete that, and and it's about a hundred questions, and it helps spit out what you're really motivated at, by at work. There's twenty three different possibilities. The chances of you and I, Jeff, having the same top five of those in common are more than a million to one. Mm. So what we find is we're all very unique. The problem is, though, managers, they, they'll hear something like this and they go, okay, I need to be better at this. Okay. So they get a stack of Starbucks cards and, you know, hey, Jeff cleaned out the supply cabinet. Nice work, Jeff. You know, hey, good work. And then Susan, you know, saves a $100,000 client from jumping ship who was mad. Hey, here's the Starbucks card. Here's the $5 Starbucks. Good. Nice work. Nice work. And everything is sort of one size fits all appreciation. What we find is that that really doesn't work. Mm. You know, I know that you really don't value me. It's not just the thing you're giving. It's also the way that I want to be appreciated. My top motivators are ideas like, you know, creativity and autonomy and family. So if I work for you, you're probably going to recognize me giving me an opportunity maybe to be creative, maybe running a new project and being a little autonomous and or maybe some time off to be with my family. Chester, my co-author, his top motivators are friendship, fun, uh, empathy. Mm. He's a people person. Mm. I mean, so probably you might you know, recognize him by sending him to a conference to, to learn more, to grow, or to, to network with other people. There's very simple ways you can motivate various people in your organization versus being the, the one-size-fits-all gratitude guy. Yeah, I liked the story related to this of the person who one manager wanted to recognize. Maybe you can expound on this, Adrian, and uh, wanted to recognize recognize them in a specific way as they were in the process of of building a new home at the time. You know the story I'm referring to. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, it was actually one of us. It was uh, we had I we were working. You know, Chester and I were early in our careers. We had uh, we had an employee. She was she was just fabulous. And her and her husband were putting together building a new home. They were putting in a lot of sweat equity, and and still she was working fifty sixty hours for us. And so I went to to my CEO at the time, and I said. I think we're really powerful here would be we present her with a, you know, a couple hundred dollar home, you know, Home Depot gift card or some power tools or something like that. Something that would really be meaningful that we were paying attention, that we knew she was working just as hard at home. And here's something to help. And he said, yeah, no, it's not what we do things around here. Well, let's let's recognize her in her annual review. And I, it was probably September. So it was, you know, four months ahead. And she says, you know, he says, we'll give her a little extra then. And so she did get some little extra then, but it was meaningless because she deserved it anyway. And it was a chance, an opportunity to say, we know how hard you've been working during a very stressful time of your personal life, and we appreciate that. And she'd been doing some really amazing work. And and so we found a way, we thought we had found a way, Chester and I, to really recognize her in a very specific, meaningful way that would show we're paying attention as your managers. And the CEO said, nah, nah, we don't do that around here. They, you know, what would everybody else think? You know, they would want. I said, well, if they're going to work 60 hours a week and launch some amazing products like like she is, then, yeah, we should do that for them as well. But that's not how we do things around here. You know, that that thoughts it. Right. Thoughts it. It'd be a great problem to have, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned morale earlier. What, what did your research suggest in regard to specifically uh, morale and productivity as it relates to gratitude? Did performance, productivity, quality, all those things go up when this was practiced regularly? It is. And, and we've got some great data that show not only do you, do you raise morale, but you raise employee engagement. Um, but you also raise customer satisfaction levels. What my worry, though, is, you, you know, you look at some of those and you kind of go, yeah, okay, so it's the cure for cancer, right? Okay, it's going to fix everything. Well, no, it won't. It won't take care of a diseased environment. You can't bring gratitude in if there's no trust in an environment. What it did was made good cultures better. Mm. It made good cultures great. And what we loved was we were able to show some case studies within the book of real organizations that use this, like, for example, JetBlue, that has really correlated that if an employee receives gratitude during a given period, they are X percent more likely to feel engaged, X percent less likely to leave the organization. So what's fun is there are organizations that we quote in here that have really quantified it for them. Because mm. sometimes I'll be asked to come into an organization, they'll say, okay, show us if we increase this uh, engagement by this much or gratitude by this, what will be the percentage for us? What's the ROI? <laughs> exactly. And the point is, it depends. It's going to help. It's the right thing to do no matter what. And I, and I think it's going to lift your organization. But in some organizations, you know, of 70,000 people, it may lift things 2%. But it's never going to be a bad thing because you're going to retain more people. You're going to get more ideas and energy. So gonna, it varies depending on, on your situation. But we still have yet to find the organization where this was this was put in place and done well that it failed. Mm. Well, what about winning over uh, customers with with gratitude? What have you found to be effective uh, in that regard? And sometimes we do forget that our, our customers and our vendors and those people that we rely on. One of the most powerful ways I think we can be we can be very appreciative of our customers 
is actually listening to them. Um, we've done a lot of work with Johnson & Johnson over the years, and I think just about every meeting I've ever been at with J&J, uh, especially in their pharmaceutical group, they, they will have a customer open the meeting. And so it could be somebody who has fought cancer and a J&J product has helped. It could be somebody who has, uh, who has, it could be somebody in the supply chain who's benefited from, from one of their services. But they always bring it back to their customers and it's very powerful, a way to remember them. So a way you really express gratitude to, the, to a customer is if they have a comment, you actually listen to it and you let people know what's happening. But even if you're not able to, to make a change, you say, thank you for that comment. Here's what we've considered, da, 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 and you let them know. Mm. And it's amazing how often organizations and companies just, just forget to offer that, that little bit of gratitude. So really, giving customers a voice, I think, is what I've found is one of the best ways to help people feel you know, you, that you are grateful for their business. Mm. Well, before I toss a couple of questions at you, Adrian, that aren't directly related to the book, what else from the book would you like for us to know that I haven't asked about? One of the things that we close, that the book is, is organized into three sections leading with gratitude. The first is those myths that you mentioned. It's the psychology behind why we don't do this. And, and if you don't see yourself in at least several of those, you're, you're truly unique. Um, the second big section is, is how we do this at work, how we see in a, uh, value being created in, in creative ways, and then how we express it in ways that are meaningful. The last section is about how we take this home. You know, a lot of times we spend... Our our, 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 our our best energy at work. And then we go home to the people who should mean as much or more to us. And we often don't have a lot left to give. And so we talked with a lot of the, the leaders, but also others um, in uh, about how they, how they develop a more grateful life with their loved ones. Uh, one of my favorites, if we have just a second is Dave Kirpin, who is a, who runs a, a a social media firm in New York City. He's got a couple of hundred employees. He's very successful. They're a very busy guy, small business owner, but it's growing. And one of the things he says was that, uh, you know, he wanted to bring gratitude back into his family life, but he didn't really know how. So he realized one day at the dinner table, he says that the dinner conversation was always the same with my kids. How was your day? Fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. And he says, <laughs> so he says, I realized, he says, I began to ask him three questions. First question is, what was the best moment of your day? Secondly, who are you grateful for who's not at the table today? Third was, who are you grateful for who's at the table but who hasn't been thanked yet? Mm. And he says, at first, my kids crazy hated this. They thought it was the stupidest thing ever. He says, within two or three weeks, they were inviting their friends over. Now, my dad's going to ask you these three questions, so mm. be ready. <laughs> and he says it became a, a source of pride. He says, years later, we still do this every wow. day. What's your favorite thing? Well, you know, Johnny threw me that touchdown in, in recess. It was really fun. Cool. Who are you grateful for? Who's not on the table? Who are you grateful for who's at the table who hasn't been thanked yet and why? And he says it's just created this wonderful, warm thing. Mm. And so we have lots of these ideas in there about how you bring it home as well. Love it. Well, let me ask you, Adrian, uh, about books. What are two or three books you'd strongly recommend to others, the ones that tend, you tend to refer back to and, and, and maybe have left a lasting impression with you? 
You know, and I was, we were last, last night, I, I took a, I worked with some, some youth and we were taking them uh, kind of at risk kids. We were taking them on a, on a ride and I, and I was asking about their reading habits and one of them mm. loved reading Westerns. And I said, that's, that's awesome. And the other two said, I don't read or anything except for school. And we gave them the leaders or readers talk, of course, <laughs> as, you, you know, as you know, and, and trying to get them excited about reading because you're exactly right. I mean, I've always got two or three books going. I've always got something fun and, and something mindful. I, I just read uh, Carly Fiorini's uh, first uh, biography I just finished. Mm. And I, um, there's, I, I've been reading a lot of biographies because we're helping uh, some people with their, with their uh, you know, kind of biographies and putting their thoughts together, some, some senior leaders. American Icon, I, I just finished as well on uh, Alan Mulally. Mm. And a uh, terrific turnaround story, as beautifully written. It's, it reads like a, like a detective novel, <laughs> but it's, it's just so cool. And Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, mm. If you want to think about how a, how a business you know, really can grow through adversity, that's another um, one I read recently that I think is just absolutely fascinating. And So anyway, I could keep going on books forever, but, <laughs> but I think you're exactly right, Jeff. It's there's a lot of ideas out there and there's so much value to be created by in our own organizations. If we take a little time to read, you know, somebody else's thoughts. Mm. Well, when it comes to, to that, particularly reading to, to learn Adrian, what do you personally do to, to help retain what you read uh, or those things that you want to take and then put into action? Uh, what steps do you take to make sure that happens? Well, that's a great question too. One of the one of the things I do, and you know, and everything nowadays is electronic. So I'll typically, as I'm, a lot of books I'll be reading as I'm traveling back to back and forth to my, my you know, my company or or I'm on the road. I'll be doing a lot of Audible books, mm. and so I typically have a notes section open on my iPhone, and I'll like, oh, that's good, and so I'll type it in there, and and so typically after as I go through a book, I've got you know, seven or eight notes that I'm going through. And of course, I'm highlighting books if, I, if I'm reading the actual tangible book. But I, I find that that's, that's typically something that's very powerful to me to go back to later. And, I, I, and I'm able to go back and go, oh, yeah, that was a great idea. How do I, how do I incorporate that into now into my, uh, into my work, you know, my, my, my running my company? Mm, your workflow, yeah. And a consistent place to go back to to find those notes again and again, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know the book is just out, but but what's ahead for you and your team that you're excited about? Uh, so what's next for us? I'm I'm we're we're always beginning a new book, and so we've got some projects in there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're launching leading with gratitude. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, sharing this message with our clients and and touring around. One of the things that as I as you mentioned, we I always believe in. Uh, and stretching and growing, and so when I when I typically finish a book, I'm typically beginning a next book, even though if it may take a couple of years. You're beginning the interviews, you're beginning the process, and sometimes, you know, you might others might not be of understanding of how long it can take to mm. put out a book with a major publisher. You know, there can be several years of, of work, of research, of writing, of rewriting. And finally, you know, seeing the book on the shelf. So it's it's typically quite a long and arduous process. But but it's you know, people say, oh, you must love to write. No, I hate to write, but I love to see the final product and have it help people. Well, the book again is called "Leading with Gratitude: Eight Leadership Practices for Extraordinary Business Results." It's co-written by Chester Elton and our guest today, Adrian Gostick. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this information with us. I really, really appreciate you doing that. Thank you, Jeff. It was my pleasure.
If you do find you've got a little bit more time to spend reading these days, I encourage you to pick up the books Adrian mentioned. I'll link to those in the blog post for this episode found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 310 for episode 310. You can also visit the website to grab a copy of my 12 all-time best leadership and personal growth books. These are books recommended by over 150 of my previous guests here on the show. Again, you can find that at readtoleadpodcast.com. For questions, comments, or feedback on the podcast, I encourage you to write me directly, Jeff, at readtoleadpodcast.com. Be sure and join us next week on the show when my guest will be two-time previous guest, Margie Worrell. She's best-selling author of Train the Brave, Stop Playing Safe, and Make Your Mark. She'll be here next time to talk about her new book, You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself. That's next time on the Read to Lead podcast. And as always, until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.